All right. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I heard. I heard what you said. Good afternoon. All right. Thank you for that wonderful testimony, Sister Jen, uh, sharing with us about her missions trip to Cambodia. Actually, Pastor Aaron and I, we actually went on our own little missions trip. Uh, we were in the Philippines for about four days. That was a very short trip, but it was a very full trip. And so we got to go to this area called Turlock and Pampanga. I don't know if you guys know. It was a little north of Manila. And there are some churches there uh, that we got to visit and uh, hold revival services and just minister and it was a powerful time. Uh, the Spirit of God just started to really show up. Uh, it looked like when we were preaching that people weren't really receiving the word. You know, they weren't like, amen. You know, like, like you know, we have a, uh, we have a good receiving culture here at our church. That's important because that encourages the preacher, which in turn brings out the best in the preacher. You know, so if you just give the preacher a hard time, the preacher is, is going to not give you the best that that preacher can bring out, you know. Anyway, they, they, didn't, they didn't seem like they had the best receiving culture. So we were like, oh, maybe, maybe they're not feeling our message. But uh, whenever we started to minister, the power of the Holy Spirit uh, just started to flow. And people were just getting really powerfully supernaturally touched. And so it, was a, it was a very powerful time. All of our services were like that. On Sunday morning last week, I got to preach at a church there in the Philippines. And after the service, I... Uh, Three of our team members, we had a small team. We only had a team of six. So we split up three, three into two different churches. And so the group that was with me, uh, we pray for the sick after the service. And so, you know, we, have, we always pray for physical healing and things like that. Uh, but on this particular morning, what was cool is, like, the pastor invited up people to get prayer for healing. And there were, like, you know, maybe, like, 15, 16 people that, that lined up. And they're all waiting, sitting in chairs, just waiting for us to. To pray healing for them. It looked like a doctor's office. I mean, they were all ready to get healed. And, you know, and, and, you know, I was a little, admittedly, I was a little bit concerned because, you know, sometimes I've seen God, I've seen God heal very powerfully. And other times, it doesn't happen so dramatically, you know, and so I, I didn't want to disappoint them too much, you know. So, but anyway, I was just kind of like, just stepped out in faith and I started praying for these women. Most of them were women who came forward. I pray for a couple of men, but uh, this one woman, I pray for her, and she had pain in her her left ear. And so I, I prayed, and I was like, how long have you had this pain? And she started giving it this long explanation. I was like, okay, that's enough. All right, let me just pray for you. <laughs> so I pray for her, and I said, check your ear. And she's like, oh, oh, it's good, it's good. I'm like, wait a minute, the pain's gone? And she's like, yeah, it's completely gone. And I'm like, 100%, is it 100% gone? And she's like, it's 100% gone. So I was like, praise the Lord. You know, I, I didn't expect it, you know, quite that, that way. Because it had been a while since I had seen that. And so I went for next person. Next person says they're completely healed. Next person says they're completely healed. And so, you know, I, I knew that by that time that there was like an open heaven. There was a grace that was flowing. And so I asked my two other team members, what did you see when you pray for people? Because we all pray for about five, six people. And they said that also that they saw about 90% of the people they prayed for got immediately healed. That was really cool. I saw the lady with the pain in her left ear later in the evening. And I said, how's that pain? She said, there's no, no pain. 
So even in the evening service, she came and she was she was rejoicing and she was healed. And so, you know, God is a God. The Bible says Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer It's Hebrew for healing. The Lord is our healer. And God does still heal. He doesn't just want to heal your inner uh, your heart and bring inner healing. But he also can bring heal healing for your entire being, a holistic healing, including your body. So that was very cool. On the way back to Korea, we bumped into somebody at the airport, at Manila Airport, that I recognized. And so, you know, we're kind of walking, and I made eye contact with him. And he made eye contact with me, and I was like, I know you. And he's like, you know me. And so, <laughs> so I just went up, and I shook his hand. And then uh, he had visited New Philly a few times. And uh, I, I can't get into the testimony because it's, 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 the Lord is writing the testimony, but uh, long story short, it was like a divine appointment. He was in the Philippines doing a big event, a huge event at the Mall of Asia. And uh, we just kind of connected with him because God has been moving in this young gentleman's life in a powerful way. So he told, he, he told us his story. He's a Filipino from Canada. He told us his testimony. And it was crazy. It was one of those crazy, like, like Jesus showing up to a Muslim in the middle of Saudi Arabia type of testimony, you know? <laughs> It's one of those times, the crazy testimonies, and uh, it was a it was a powerful time. Aaron and I got to prophesy over him, and he just said everything you said was dead on, and he was really ministered to. So you know, God, you know, missions trips don't begin, you know, when you land into the country. You know what you'll notice, even I think the Cambodia or the Bangladesh team, they were ministering on the airplane. I forget somebody posted a picture with the stewardess and said, "Huh, Jen did? Yeah, Jen had a picture on Facebook with the stewardess and saying, you know, oh, I'm sorry, a flight attendant." flight attendant and saying something like you know you pray for her and she felt peace of god she felt the love of god and so she's interested in maybe coming out to a service or something like that yeah yeah and and we've seen actually pastor mina here is infamous for making legs grow out on airplanes so you know she'll always ask the the flight attendants you know is there any physical pain in your body? And if they say, oh, you know, my back hurts. And she'll be like, oh, why don't you sit down? Let me, let me check out. And she'll check and measure their legs. And if their legs are uneven, Mina will pray for them. And, and she's seen those uneven legs grow out. You know, and whenever uneven legs grow out, usually back pain uh, will in itself get healed. Uh, it'll be self-correcting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was, it was powerful. And uh, we're just so thankful that we are uh, doing missions in a way that's different than what a lot of churches do. And I think that's, it's a privilege, what we are carrying, the type of ministries that we are able to take to the nations. You know, it's, it's something that I believe God wants the wider body of Christ to experience, but he's looking for churches that can steward it and help to mature it and then to teach others how to minister in these ways. And I, be, I believe we are privileged to be able to do missions. We don't just go on missions uh, trips and just do presentations and come back home. We don't just go there to uh, pull out weeds and paint churches and come back home. Right. You know, those things are all valuable, and we, and we partake in those things as well. But, you know, we do what, we, we want to do what Jesus did. That's right. You know, preach, heal the sick, mm-hmm. you know, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. And we're waiting for the days where, where our missions teams come back. With testimonies that we raised the dead. You know what I mean? I mean, so different uh, prophetically gifted people have actually prophesied that over, over my personal ministry. So you will, you're going to see the dead raised. 
So I was, all right, I've received that. Yeah. You know, but, but, but it's easy to receive it. But if you really think about the implications, it's not so easy to step out and trust God for it. Because raising the dead implies you got to start praying for dead people. Now, that's not an easy thing to do. First of all, which family is going to give you the permission to go up and start you know, laying hands on their, on their dead uh, you know, family members? You know? That's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing, but the Lord has promised us that. That's what Jesus did. You know, not even Jesus in the Old Testament. You know, you have uh, Elisha raises the dead. Elijah raises the dead. You know, and Jesus raises the dead. So he said, the things you see me do, you also will do. Now, let me get into my message. Why don't we turn to Psalm chapter 133. Aaron and I, we want to say we are so blessed and happy to be able to join you for service today. We are coming from the city of Tegu, where we were spending time with uh, my dad's side of the family. My dad's side of the family does not know Christ. Uh, they have a strange mixture of ancestor worship and Catholicism, uh, which is what the Catholic leaders here in the southern parts of uh, Gyeongsangdo, they made certain decisions to allow ancestor worship in Catholicism. So they mixed that and they started kind of distributing that. So, you know, my family, my dad's side of the family adopted it. And so it's really strange because they're, they're standing before the, um, the, the chesa table, which is like it's a table full of like chicken and fruit and all kinds of things that, that people are supposed to supposedly eat, you know. And they, you know, they offer like, they, they pour rice wine, and they, they, they go like this over the incense, and then they put it down in front of the picture. They wait a while for, so that their ancestor can drink. And then they take out <laughs> the wine, and they dump it out, and then they leave the empty cup for the next person to pour it. You know, it's, called, it's, called, it's called like a drink offering. Like, the Bible has similar things, right? Um, but, yeah, it's really bizarre because before they start, you know, they, they do the bowing, and then they read from the Psalms. <laughs> So they read a psalm, you know, and then they bow down, they do all the drink offerings, and then they read the Lord's Prayer. So I remember the first time I joined them for the ceremony, like way back, you know, when I think it was like right after I moved to Korea. I was so confused. I was like, oh, oh, they believe in Jesus? Oh, they're, they're reading from the Bible? Oh, maybe they became Christians? Wait a minute, why are they bowing down to these idols, though? Oh, maybe they just need to be taught. And then later on, I, I discovered that the Catholic Church here, in order to uh, get more converts, they had embraced ancestor worship. Uh, but if you go to a lot of different countries, even the Philippines, there are syncretistic uh, forms of Catholicism there as well. Uh, you will go to certain countries where Catholicism is mixed with Buddhism. Or even, uh, you know, forms of idol worship is kind of all mixed in. And so it's kind of, you have to be discerning with what's really going on there. Anyway, uh, we're coming from there. And... Uh, we are so glad that we can be here today to, to minister to you guys and also just to fellowship with you and to build up what God is doing in this city. God is doing something very special in the city of Pusan. Amen? Amen. Amen. There is a light that is dawning upon this city. And you carry a portion of that light. And it's fresh. It's not religion. It's not the traditions of man. This is the very renewal of the Holy Spirit. Transform lives. Creativity and inspiration. 
Now, our church, we, we want to be a church that as we continue to mature, you know, a lot of churches, even churches that were birthed out of revival, like the churches in the Philippines, I will not name what denomination that the, the Philippines churches we visit are a part of, right? Uh, but their main headquarters is in Tennessee. And what bothered me was these uh, Filipino churches, I hope not too many of them hear this podcast, but I'm just going to be real. All right. The Filipino churches, they're, they're, they love God. They love Jesus. That's definitely clear. But the way they worship reminds me of American, certain denominational churches from America. They have the form of it, but not the substance. So what, what, what looks like happened was these American missionaries went to the Philippines, set up these church plants, and then taught them all the methods and techniques without necessarily giving them the substance and the spirit of it. You know, every new move of God is going to look different. He's going to anoint different methods. You know, what worked yesterday may not work today. And that's why I think it's so important that on the fourth, we're on our fourth year of our church's history, that our, our theme for the year is the year of inspiration. This should be so part of our culture, a, a, a theme of inspiration and renewal. That kind of culture needs to be established at, at any church. Because if you don't establish that, churches start taking the things that God anointed yesterday, and they begin to take movements and turn them into monuments. They, turn to, uh, they begin to turn... Uh, what God is doing into a methodology. And then they, they try to patent that methodology. And then they go and plant other churches with that methodology. And when you ever visit those kinds of churches, it's really clear. They're, they're using a, a form of godliness, but they don't really have the power of it. You know, and so I believe it's very important that we as a church, as we move forward, that we learn and we know how to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. That we are constantly uh, adapting, being missional, being incarnational. That's what it means, that's what it means to, I believe, to be a good Christian. To be a good Christian means you got to be adaptable, you got to be incarnational, you got to be missional. Think about it like this. If Jesus, instead of being born 2,000 years ago in Jewish culture, what if God instead sent his only son Today, with iPods and iPhones and Internet and into the Korean culture. What if Jesus was born as a Korean? I guarantee you, if Jesus was born as a Korean, Jesus would be incarnational to that Korean culture. Yeah, Jesus would adapt. He wouldn't just do the same things like he did when he was in the Jewish culture. In the same way, we as Christians, we got to learn how to be missional. You know what I mean? We can't just take what's worked in Tennessee and try to force it upon uh, the churches in the Philippines. You know what I mean? And if we are going uh, we as a church, we're going to keep on doing church plants. You guys all heard, heard about our Australia church plants, right? Yeah, so we're planning church in, a, in Sydney in a couple months, right? Not the public service, but the home community groups are going to start up in the month of April, right? If we take some of the things that are working in Seoul and in Busan and then say, hey, you guys, this is the method that's going to work. For you to have a fruitful ministry. And they, and they try it out in Sydney. 
And the Aussies just aren't responding to that. And we're like, no, no, you got to stick to these methods. This is what God, God is doing. We're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's not what it means to be missional. To be missional is to be adaptable, to be incarnational. That it reflects our core value, which is called roll with the punches. All right? And anyway, that's not my message. Let me start my message right now. And that, that needed to go out, all right? That needed to go out. Let's look at Psalm 133, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 133, verse 1 and 2. It says, how good and pleasant it is, I'm reading from the NIV, when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. This verse gives us a powerful symbol for one of our core values that we teach at our church. And that core value is called the anointing flows from the top down. So here in Psalm 133, you get a vivid picture of that. It's like a symbol, symbolism here, right? How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard. And it's interesting, it says, not just any beard, running down on Aaron's beard. Now, Aaron was a spiritual authority over the nation of Israel. Right? So he represents a spiritual authority, running down his beard and onto the collar of his robes. So the vivid picture you get is this oil that's anointed onto the head, and it flows down to the beard, and it goes all the way down to the bottom hem of the robe. Okay? Um, our church, we have a core value called the anointing flows from the top down. Everybody say that. Anointing flows from the top down. Conceptually, this simply means that blessings and covering and supernatural graces are released into your life as the people of God learn how to submit to and honor their spiritual authorities. This is true in any church. I don't care if it's a spirit-filled church or if it's a dry and traditional church. Wherever God has placed you, if you were learned to submit to and honor your spiritual authorities, God is going to bless you. God is going to protect you with a covering. And God is going to release supernatural grace into your life. Supernatural anointing power into your life. So this is what the uh, core value, the anointing flows in the top down is all about. We believe that when you refuse to honor and to submit to your spiritual leaders, you're only robbing yourself of the graces and the blessings you need to mature and grow as a good Christian. You only stunt your own growth. You also not only rob yourself of maturity, but you rob yourself of the breakthroughs that God has ordained for you. You might be struggling with a certain addiction, a certain bondage. Maybe a certain thought pattern. The breakthrough, God has ordained a spiritual leader to release it into your life. But when you refuse to honor and submit to those leaders, you're only robbing yourself. So let's get real practical for a second. Let me get real practical for a second. Who would, who would this apply to? Right. Everybody will obviously say, you. Pastor Christian and Aaron. 
If, you, if I honor and submit to Pastor Christian and Aaron, then the blessings of God are going to flow into my life. That means uh, the anointing power is going. I'm going to get. I'm going to receive impartations when I learn to honor and submit to them. You know, that, it's powerful. It's powerful. You know, people who I've never even met, they tell me that because they come into sonship or they position themselves in, in the spirit of sonship and they listen to my teachings, not just as a guest or a fan, but they listen as a son. They'll be, they'll be praying on the, in their own room and they'll be listening to a message and it'll be a message regarding some kind of impartation and they'll get an impartation right there without nobody laying hands on them. Mm-hmm. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. yeah, I thought that was powerful. <laughs> of course it means Aaron and myself, but... Honoring and submitting your, to your spiritual authorities also includes your campus pastors. Right. Why? Because Aaron and I aren't here every week. Does that mean that we can't cover you? Does that mean we can't bless you? Does that mean that we can't provide a covering and, a, and, a, and release grace into your life? No. It just simply means the anointing is flowing from the top down. It's going to flow into your campus pastors. Now, let's say over here at Busan, y'all start blowing up. All right, we, there's, about like, there's about like 35 people here, 33 now. <laughs> right, there's about 30, 33 people in here. Let's say if Busan, you blow up. You guys get 300 people one year from now. 300 people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, is, that, is that too big? I'm sorry. No, I mean, r- really, I mean, you guys should be able to reach a lot of people. A lot of people I heard here, they, they didn't grow up in church. Let me tell you something right now. People who didn't grow up in church, they're the easiest to evangelize, actually. People who grew up in church, traditions of man, I know Christianity, I've been there, done that. They're, they're the hardest people to reach. If I, even if you reach them, man, they have to unlearn so many things, it's hard to disciple them. When you take somebody who's never been to church, they're like, what's this? Turn to the book of Psalm, where's that? Man, those are the people that are easiest to disciple, actually. You know, those are the people who are actually have the easiest time experiencing true repentance. They don't, they don't, they don't have the self-righteousness and pride like some people grew up in the church do. You know? Anyway, let me, stick, let me stick with this. All right. Who are your spiritual authorities? It's not just Aaron and myself. It's your campus pastors. If y'all blow up to 300, y'all may not be able to have a personal one-on-one time with pastors Caleb and Mina. Oh, no, does that mean I can't receive the blessings and covering and graces of God? No. You got your small group leaders. You got your, if once you guys start your community groups, you guys start, start a community group? Okay, once you guys start community groups, that'll be for, like, more older folk. When y'all get married and stuff, y'all don't want to do, like, these two-on-one, three-on-one discipleships. You're going to want to bring your kids or, you know, have a little families and, and do kind of community, you know. But we're still going to have a, a, a leader over that community group. Anyway, your community group or your small group leaders. They're your spiritual authorities. You know what I mean? If you can learn to submit and honor them, these graces of God are going to flow into your life without any kind of uh, halt. It's like a river. You know? You, you know, some Christians, they try to live their Christian lives off of this outpouring that they got at this youth retreat back when they were in their teenage years. And they try to live for God based on that flow. And I'm sorry. That flow is nice. It's nostalgic. But you need a continual flow into your life. 
The blessings of God for your life should be like a river. You know, when you ask God for blessings, he's never going to be like, oh, um, sorry, AJ, I ran out. I got no more to give. I'm just so generous. I gave it all away. God will never do that. Why? Because God is a, he, he is the very source of all blessing and he is an inexhaustible source of blessing. An inexhaustible source of wisdom. Who can search out the wisdom of God? It's unsearchable. It's deep. It's powerful. Now, uh, this core value, the anointing flows from the top down. Uh, I believe Pastor Caleb probably preached on it last year already, right? But I, I want to touch upon it in my own way today. Because it's a really powerful teaching that really I believe that God wants to breathe upon not only this campus, but upon Hillside and Etaewon as well. Because all the leadership, they're going to be listening to this message. And we all need a fresh revelation of this core value. The anointing flows from the top down. Because you know what? I see just too many people complaining about their leaders rather than learning how to encourage their leaders. Resisting their leaders rather than submitting. Now, let me talk about submission for a second. Let me talk about submission. Turn to Hebrews 13, 7. 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews is right before James. Hebrews 13, 17. Let's have everybody, actually, no, I'm going to read that because I got the NIV. All right, listen in the NIV here. 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that will be of no advantage to you. So if you really look at this verse, what it's saying is, if you submit to them and you obey your leaders, that's going to be of a benefit to you. It's going to be an advantage to you. But when you resist them and give them a hard time and you make their work not a joy but a burden, that's going to be of no advantage to you. It's actually going to rob you of these blessings that God has ordained. Now, the Bible talks a lot about submission. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, sometimes we have some conflicts. We have some disagreements. Sometimes we just need to kind of submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Bible also talks about the next verse, wives, submit to your husbands. Right? That's important. If you want order in the family, you got to have the man of the family stand up and be the leader of that family. They got to learn how to be the head of that household. And for there to be order... The children, they got to honor their parents. And then the wife, she has to learn how to submit to her husband. When that's not in order, there's going to be all kinds of chaos. Mm -hmm. That family is not going to have that covering, that safety. The Bible also talks about uh, the church submit to Christ in Ephesians 5.24. So, you know, the Bible talks about submission. And it's very important that we learn how to submit to our spiritual authorities because they are appointed by god to keep watch over your souls right. it's to make sure you don't get into bad doctrine mm -hmm. 
Some of y'all in here, do y'all know what the difference between Christianity and Jehovah's Witnesses are? Do y'all know what the difference between Christianity and Mormonism is? Do you know what makes certain cult groups a cult? And other cult groups that are accused of being a cult but they're really not a cult? Do you guys know the difference? Right? Now, it's the job of your campus pastor. Make sure to be on top of that stuff. All right, so Kayla, you better be doing your research, all right? So if there are any new cult groups that come up, you know, you got to really examine them by the word of God. But, you know, obviously it also comes from me. You know, I got to be aware of that, and I got to make sure I pass that down, and he's got to make sure it passes down to everyone else. You know, we can't start just putting our arms around everyone who says, I believe in Christ. You know, you go to a Mormon retreat, they're singing Chris Tomlin songs. You know, you go in there, you'd be like, oh, it's Chris Tomlin. Oh, let me praise God with them. <laughs> I've had two girls that I've helped deliver through healing and deliverance to bring them out of the Mormonism. Both of them went to uh, some kind of Mormon retreat, and they had a spiritual experience where they felt the spiritual thing come upon them, mm-hmm. and they thought it was the Holy Spirit. It was at a Mormon retreat. And when I try to help them, man, I mean, it was, it was ugly. I mean, there, there's, there's demonic manifestations. Uh, you know, Mormon, you know, you know, we, I know we had the election last year. And I know Billy Graham, what he did. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sorry, all right? I'm sorry. If, if we had a Mormon president, I think, um, uh, if America had a Mormon president, I think America would be in a lot of trouble. Because Mormonism is, it's rooted in a lot of occultic practices. There's a lot of occultism that went on. And actually, if you really study church history, Around that time period, there's a bunch of cults that were birthed at that time. It was like a cult breeding time because people were disillusioned all at the same time about certain topics. And so a lot of people, they started looking to certain uh, leaders, charismatic leaders. And some of these guys started their own, you know, what looked like a denomination, but it was actually just a completely different thing. It wasn't Christianity at all. You know, your leaders are there to keep you from following after some of these cult groups you know that's covering that's protection but not only that for you from to keep you from marrying some knucklehead that's gonna beat you up for the rest of your life i'm serious it's a lot of christian women they get into marriages that just god didn't ordain for them now the, the unfortunate thing is once you're once you're married it don't matter who you marry once you're married god's like don't don't break that marriage so you're stuck I don't care who you are. If you are married, even if it's a non-believer, you are married to that person. You are to stay with that person. There's just too many Christian pastors. They say, oh, I married this uh, woman when I was uh, backslidden. So this marriage is, is not honored by God. So I'm, I met this other godly woman who is a prayer warrior. I'm going to marry her. You know how often that story comes up in America? Like even last year, fresh story, just like that. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Anyway. Marriage is for keeps. Marriage is for keeps. But a spiritual leader is there to provide covering and protection, keep you from decisions that are not based on wisdom, that are not really led by the Lord. That could be an ambush of the enemy to set you back or to cause a lot of frustration for the rest of your life. Now, there is hope, though. If you married a non-believer and, and you know, you're, you're there, there's hope. All right. God can turn all things for your good. All right. Anyway, all right, that's a different message. Now, God wants us to submit to one another our reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Church, we, as a whole, we ought to, we ought to submit to Christ. Uh, 
But one thing's clear from Hebrews 13. We need to learn how to submit and obey our leaders, right? But, you know, a lot of people, instead of submitting to their spiritual authorities, they instead submit to their mind. Turn to Romans 8, 7. Romans 8, 7. Especially here in our postmodern culture. Romans 8, 7 explains a lot. I'll read from verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile. Everyone say hostile. Hostile, hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. The sinful mind is hostile toward God, and it does not submit to God's law. Meaning, it does not submit to the word of God. It does not submit to the ways of righteousness. It does not submit to the ways of purity. It does not submit to the ways of wisdom. It is hostile toward God. And there are too many Christians who, once they become Christians, they continue to follow the understanding that comes out of their own mind. Now, stay with me. It's important for you to think. <laughs> now, you got to, to a certain degree, you got to trust your mind. But there are certain people that resist. They don't submit to spiritual authority. They rather just submit to their own mind. Mm-hmm. And if your mind has not been renewed mm-hmm. and you, you have not matured in your Christian faith, that's a dangerous thing for you to do. I don't trust nobody. I only trust myself. I want to judge for myself what's good. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my old pastor used to tell me alcohol is evil. Alcohol is sin. I want to judge that for myself. You know, clubbing is evil. I don't know. Sex before marriage. How can something that feels so good be wrong? I don't know. Let me judge for myself. I would like to make up my own mind. You know what that attitude is? It's the attitude that Adam and Eve had when they fell in the Garden of Eden. You're just simply reflecting your forefather. Through that one man, sin entered the world. And the Bible says through the one man, Jesus Christ, redemption came for all. You're not supposed to follow after the pattern of the one man, Adam. You're supposed to follow after the pattern of Christ. And what was the pattern Christ set for us? It's one of submission. One of servanthood. But I thought Jesus was the son of God. No, Jesus was the son of God. But the Bible says that he was a man in submission. He's a servant. We should have that same attitude, the Bible says. Right? So the pattern Jesus shows us in relating to God the Father is one of submission. Even Jesus, when he was, incarn- he, when he was missional to the Jewish culture, he submitted to the Jewish customs. Jewish traditions, even though it was dry. You know, they weren't having a Pentecostal Holy Spirit meetings over with the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? They didn't have none of that. Jesus wasn't going on, on these spirit-filled meetings, no. He was going to these dry, traditional, Pharisaic interpretations. But he, he submitted himself. And he had to read the Bible. He had to read the Old Testament just like you and I do. He submitted himself. He learned. He grew. You know, so some people, instead of submitting to their spiritual authorities, they submit to only their mind. And unfortunately, when your mind is yet to be renewed, 
It's a mind that's hostile toward God. You're going to have a real hard time walking with the Lord in the first place. But if you will learn to submit to your spiritual authorities here, they will help you to renew your mind. They will teach you the ways of the Lord. And that grace and that blessing is there for you to grow. Uh, other people, instead of submitting to the spiritual authorities, they will submit to a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. Galatians 5.1. Let me read that. A yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In another translation, it says submit to a yoke of slavery. You know, some people have uh, yokes of legalism. Religion, it could be yokes of uh, slavery to fear, addictions, you know, and some people, instead of submitting to the spiritual authorities that can actually help them to be free from all those yokes, they instead just continue to submit to the slavery that they always knew, you know. The church, we need to really learn how to get into a pattern of submitting to our spiritual authorities. Now, let me tell you something about submission. Submission in the church and in the kingdom is not a blind submission. We're not looking for lemmings. We're not looking to build up an army of lemmings who are going to go out and walk off the cliff. Now, we're looking to build up an army of mighty warriors. Mighty warriors that can think, that have discernment that are growing, that are maturing, that are submitting. Now, in the beginning, you may not be at a level of maturity for Pastor Caleb to explain to you all the details and the reasoning behind why he might ask you to mop the floor. You know? Be, I want to serve the church. I signed up to serve the church. All right. All right, Brian. Brian, why don't you come over and why don't you mop the floor? I want to serve the church. Yeah, mop the floor. Um, can you tell me why I need to do that? Because uh, Jen Kim and Lydia, Pastor Lydia, have been do- doing a great job mopping the floor. I think we should just leave it to them. And, you know, Pastor Caleb's thinking, uh, well, you know, as you mop the floor, as you serve the house in this way, your heart for the house is going to grow. As you serve the house in this way, uh, it also establishes you in our other core value, be faithful in small things. When I see that you can be faithful with a mop, I'm going to give you later on a mic. You know, there's too many people in the church who get a mic just because they're gifted. You know, you can sing. Let me give you a mic. Oh, you're a, guy, you're a public, great public speaker. Let me give you the mic. Right? But here in, in New Philly, the pattern here is be faithful in small things. We, we value not only gifting, but character. Character is not birth overnight. There's a lot of people who are gifted that have poor character. Just look at the entertainment industry. Look at the sports world. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, they could, they could score a touchdown. They could knock somebody out. But they don't know how to manage their finances. They don't know how to uh, act and behave in certain settings. You know? And so we want, we want to build up and give authority to only people who have nurtured godly character. And that's a process that takes time. Now, Pastor Caleb may not be able to explain all that to Brienne. If Bri- 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 Brianna. If Bri- Brienne. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where the eight came from. Sorry. If Brian's like, can you? I don't want to. I don't want to mop the floor until you tell me everything. You tell me why. And Pastor Caleb's going. If I explain to you even now, you know, you're not gonna like it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you may not even want to show up. Mm-hmm. You may not even want to keep coming to our church if I explain to you everything right now. So Pastor Caleb just says, hey, just trust me. It's going to be good for you. You don't have, you know, it's like Karate Kid, right? I love giving this illustration, right? Right? You ever see the original Karate Kid? Like the other Karate Kid movies are pretty good. Karate Kid Part 2 was pretty good too. The new one, you know, I don't care about. But the original Karate Kid, right, with Ralph Macchio and um, Mr. Miyagi is how we know him, right? <laughs> yeah, Ralph Morita. Pat Morita, sorry. Uh, in the original Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio, Ma- Macchio, 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 is this kid from New Jersey. In the movie, he's this kid from New Jersey. He moves to California. He's a short kid. And, and he, you know, he's not that athletic. He's not that popular. And he's new to the town. And there's all these bigger, taller kids, these blonde guys who all know karate. <laughs> and uh, he starts uh, having a crush on this girl. And anyway, uh, the, one of the leaders of the karate uh, teenage group, they start, they start uh, messing with off Macho. His name's Daniel. Daniel. Anyway, he gets beat up. He gets beat up by these teens. And so he gets all angry. And he asks Mr. Miyagi, oh, I, I, because Mr. Miyagi rescues him. He's like getting beat up on this fence. This is crazy. It's crazy intense scene. Now, when, I was, when I was a kid and I saw that, I was like, man, this is intense. And all of a sudden, Mr. Miyagi comes out of nowhere. Spoiler alert. He comes out of nowhere. And he just beats up all these teens. And all the teens are like, Whoa! And then Mr. Miyagi's like, huh, huh, yeah. Knocks them all out. And then Daniel's son gets up. He's like, teach me karate. I saw you do that. Teach me karate. Says, all right, you want to learn karate? Come, come over to my place this time, next week. He comes over. Says, all right, teach me karate. All right, this is how you're going to learn karate. You're going to take this scrubber, and you're going to wax on. You're going to wax off. I want you to wax on and wax off all these cars. And there are like 20 cars in this junkyard. And, and Daniel's son's like, man, this is, this is not He's just using me to wax his cars. He's all upset. And then he comes back next week or something like that. And he says, all right, Daniel's son, you want to learn karate? Yeah, teach me karate. All right, take this paintbrush. Go like this. Up, down. He's like, no, 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 Daniel's son, concentrate. Up, down. Right? And so he teaches him how to paint the fence. So he paints all the fences. And uh, Daniel's son, pretty much he he, he gets fed up. And he says, says, Mr. Miyagi, you just using me. I asked you to teach me karate. You didn't teach me nothing. You know, he gets all upset and stuff like that. He, he doesn't sound this ghetto. <laughs> my, my version of Daniel's son. And Mr. Miyagi goes, Daniel's son, you karate do yes. You karate do no. You karate do maybe so. Squish like a grape. He says something like that. But, meaning you got to be all in. You got to be all in. If you don't go all in with karate, you're going to get beat up again. That's what he's trying to say. <laughs> and then Mr. Miyagi says, show me wax on, wax off. Yeah, wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyagi like mocks him and says, no. Then you're some concentrate. Wax on, wax off. Show me, you know, up and down, whatever. The painting thing, right? And then he says, all right, show me wax on. Yeah! He starts punching uh, Daniel's son, and Daniel's son's blocking. Wax on, wax on, wax on, wax on. <laughs> and then he kicks him, and he starts, like, blocking all the kicks. And Daniel's son realizes he had been learning karate the whole time. <laughs> What's my point? 
Obedience precedes understanding. Too many of us in our postmodern culture, we hold obedience hostage until we get our understanding. But you see, in the way of the, the, the ways of the Lord, he asks us to obey in faith. And he says the understanding will only come. It will only be unlocked by your obedience. When you obey, you will understand the heart, the ways of the Lord behind it. You know? And so, you know, a lot of times this applies in the church as well. And so, you know, your spiritual authorities may not be in a position to be able to explain everything. Even if they did, you may not even grasp it all. And in those times, it's best just to obey. Now, once again, this is not mindless submission. This is a faith-filled submission. Now, if you keep following a certain spiritual authority and it ain't going nowhere, <laughs> and you ain't learning nothing, all right, you might want to re-examine whether you want to keep submitting to that if, if God has called you to be under that person's spiritual authority. You know? But make sure you give it enough patience because God might be showing you something and you might leave without your inheritance. You might leave without learning the lessons God had for you there. And you start looking for another church and God actually leads you to a very similar church because he wants you to learn the same lessons. True story. It's happened to me. So we don't, we're not, we, we here at New Philly, we ain't looking for mindless submission. I don't think God in any church is looking for mindless submission. He's looking for a faith-filled submission. One that is willing to obey. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. You might be like, you know, what's all this about? Why are you you making me jump through these hoops? No, 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 no. He'll make your path straight. Don't lean on your own understanding. The understanding is going to come. There's a point of time in which it's going to all be revealed. I mean, imagine how frustrating it was for the Israelites, the Jews, the people of God in the Old Testament. God withheld the understanding of who the Messiah really is, until much later. But God still required them to obey. You know what I mean? It's not a foreign thing that God's asking his people to do. Uh, another way that uh, anointing flows from top down is not only to submit, but to honor. To honor your leaders is going a step above just submission. Because you could be like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. I'll mop the floor, sir. And in your, in your heart, you're just going, oh, man, I can't wait. Can't wait till this over. I don't, man, Pastor Caleb, man, you don't look good today. Uh, Pastor Caleb, you know, you, your message sucked on Sunday, whatever. Like, you're just complaining, grumbling in your heart the whole time. Or you might not even be doing that. You're just kind of doing a yes, sir. But in your heart, you're not really seeing, you're not going beyond the letter of what he's asking you to do. You're not really honoring him for what the Lord has put upon him and his leadership. Like what your campus pastors here carry, you need in your life. For you to grow, for you to get your breakthroughs, you need what they carry. It may not look impressive on the outside here. But what they are carrying is supernatural. It's breakthrough right there. You know, true story, right? Let me tell you. You know, I'm like the lead pastor of, over New Philly, right? We're not a huge church, right? But, you know, we're a very powerful church. Very potent church. We're like, yeah. we're like jalapenos. We're like the gochu, the gochu peppers you don't want to eat. You know, we're 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 a fiery church, we're a fiery church. 
But if you look up to the, the lead pastor, I'm not the most polished pastor I know. If you didn't know that, let me tell you. I'm not the most polished pastor I know. I'm not the best public speaker I know. I'm not the most brilliant. Like you look on my Facebook page, I'm not putting like these brilliant like quotes. Like people want to quote and share all day. I'm just saying, I'm going out on Busan. I'm happy today. You know, I'm reading my Bible. I hope you are. So I don't know. I don't say anything profound, you know. Like, like Pastor Benjamin, my spiritual father, he's gifted like that. And so, you know, I, you know, I honor him like that, you know, because he's gifted like that. I'm not, like, I'm not particularly gifted like that. Maybe it'll develop later. So you know, people, people may look at my leadership and be like, how, how did God do all this through this guy? And, and, and my wife, on the other hand, she's very articulate, very prophetic, very clear, very prepared. No, actually, no. Very clear, very prophetic. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell a lie up here. We're all growing in our preparation and our professionalism. Right? But, but, but over here, over here, you know, you know I, I was talking to my kunapa, right, before I came. We're talking about baldness. And, and he's balding himself. And he, and I was like, yeah, I'm losing some hair. And he's like, no, you're not. I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm losing hair. And he's like, hey, it's okay. I was like, you know, I, I've actually contemplated paying $1,000 to get some scalp treatments up in Seoul. You know, because they promised me that they can regrow some of my hair follicles. You know, I was like, I don't know if I can. I, I, I trust the promises of the Lord. I don't know if I trust the promises of the scalp center. But I was still contemplating it. If I could save up that money, maybe I'll go. Maybe it'll help me. Because every time, you know, people take pictures of me, a video of me when I'm preaching, I don't like the way that, that there's this bald spot up on here top. Anyway, I, I ain't looking for a pity party, all right? And I told him, I, I'm, I'm concerned with scalp treatment. My, my, my kanapa, he was like, he's like, no, you don't need that. You know, there's too many people. They look on the outside. There's too many of these good-looking uh, celebrities. They get married to each other, but they don't, they don't got nothing. They don't got nothing. You, you, what, what, what you really need is you need to be able to look to the substance, the character of a person. I don't know if I'm translating this right, but I'm getting the gist of it. And he was like, you got it. You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about your the hair, all that. That don't matter. You know, you need the character. You need the substance, something like that. Is that am I translating it right? You know? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and the Lord was speaking to me through that. Because, you know, sometimes I'll get critical of myself. And I'll be like, man, I need to be more professional. I need to have my quiet times more consistently. Now, I know I'm your lead pastor, but look, sometimes I struggle with having quiet time too. Don't tell me you don't. Actually, Anthony's pretty good. I know he's... I'm looking at the wrong man. <laughs> I'm looking at Caleb. I feel better when I look at Caleb. <laughs> you know, you know we're not, I'm not the most polished. I'm saying, Lord, how come you keep using me? How come he keeps using me, you know? But you know, that's, that's why all the more, it's a story of a supernatural grace. Right. It's really not Christian Aaron's leadership that's growing this house. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural leadership of God. Yeah, yeah. You know, the real nutshell story of Moses' leadership, I know that Moses is held in great esteem. And uh, the Hebrews, you know, they were continually exalting Moses' leadership. But if you really look at who the Hebrews were trusting, they weren't trusting in Moses. 
They were trusting in the supernatural leadership that was being manifested through him. They were actually trusting the leadership of God. And sometimes you need a leader that's a little rough around the edges for you to look up and be like, oh, that's definitely not him. There's some supernatural happening through this man. Oh, my leadership is actually, it's God's supernatural leadership that's leading this house. I feel safe. You know, because when I first took over, I, I look at, back at my journals about four years ago, three, four years ago when I first took over. And I was so confident back then when I journaled. I was so confident that I knew what I was doing. And I was so confident that, you know, certain prophecies were right and other prophecies were not. And, you know, I knew where I stood regarding certain subjects. I was so confident that when I look back at it now, if I could talk to that young man four years ago, I'd be like, man, you don't know nothing. That's what I would say to him today. I'm like, man, you are so, you know, you're, you're going to grow so much more. You're going to learn so much more about people. You're going to learn so much more about unity. You know, I was at that time, you know, there's so much revelation I was receiving, all these teachings. I was ready to just be like, man, forget all y'all other local churches in the city. Forget y'all, y'all, y'all slowing me down. We're just going to take over. You know, I, I was just ready to do something like that. As a young, young pastor, I was, just, I was just like, man, forget all y'all. Forget y'all. But the Lord didn't allow me to do that. He supernaturally was like, quiet down. You go, you learn to honor these other men. They may not be carrying what you're carrying, but they're carrying something else that you need. You need to learn how to honor and learn from them. And in fact, I'm bringing a, a black man into your life. And he's, you're going to need to really honor him because he's going to be your spiritual father. He's going to be your spiritual father. And you, as a young man who grew up without a, without a very strong father figure in your life, I'm going to cover you with this spiritual authority. And he's going to teach you. And he's going to challenge you to go deeper, to go higher, to understand the depths of my love and my revelation. You're going to discover it through the covering of this man. And then you're going to pass that down because the anointing flows from top down to all your congregation members. All I know is I'm not gifted like Pastor Benjamin, but that does not mean that the ways he can bless the church is only limited to his local church. See, I can take that, receive it into my life, and then pass it down, flow it down to you guys. When I see Pastor Daniel's, Pastor Benjamin's spiritual father, I look upon his life. I'm like, oh, man, if more of New Philly got some of what he's got, we will be at a different place. No, that access is not denied. Through relationship, we have full access to that inheritance. That's powerful what God's doing in our church. You know, when we have the church wide retreat in a couple months, um, you know, right now, Pastor Benjamin is our guest speaker. Uh, but Pastor Benjamin messaged me, and he's like, um, I plan to bring uh, Pastor Daniels and his wife. And, of course, I'm going to pay for their tickets. And I'm going to bring Pastor Sonny and Aletheia. And he's going to bring a bunch of other people that I, I can't name right now, but I'll name later. They're pastors, too. God's building a powerful lineage. You know, it's just through our relationships with each other. But they're not just shallow relationships. They're relationships that are deep because they're relationships based on the word of God. They're 
relationships based on teaching, revelation, wisdom. And so I've never met some of these pastors, but they're going to fly out. Well, hopefully if their schedules work out, they're going to fly out. They're going to join us for our retreat because Pastor Benjamin is that proud of us. He's like these these young ministers. They need to see what God's doing here at New Philly, and they're gonna be they're gonna go back completely blessed. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm gonna bring them. I'm gonna fly out. And they've never been someone never been to Korea before. They're gonna fly out for our retreat. I was so honored. I was like, why? Why can't we? Aaron and I will fly out to a Living Hope retreat. We'll go over there. But he's like, no, nah, it was powerful last year. You know, he's so excited about that. It gets me so excited. You know, it's all because there's a powerful anointing that's flowing through the lineage of our of our church families. We're part of a powerful spiritual family. I mean. Anyway, all this to say, let me uh, let me wrap up. Uh, You know, some people. uh they refuse to go to a church and get involved where they feel like they can't be friends with the uh, pastor. And so I'll, I'll get newcomers every week at Hillside. They're lined up to talk to me. They shake my hand. I could tell the whole time. They're thinking, can I be your friend? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at them. And I'm like, you need more of the word of God in your life, young man. Mm-hmm. You need to learn. You need to get discipled first. Mm-hmm. You want to be my friend. You don't need me to be your friend, young man. You need me to be your spiritual father. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it could even be somebody older than me that come up to me and they'd be like, yeah, let's get some coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, All right. Get some coffee. Why, why don't you why don't you get some 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 of some coffee by yourself <laughs> and listen to some of my podcasts? You know. They want friendship with the pastor. But here's the thing. Most believers in the body of Christ, what they need the pastor to be is not a friend. They need that pastor to be a pastor. They need that pastor to be a spiritual father. And this is what Pastor Benjamin has taught me. Friendship is not a right that you get by birth. Friendship is a result of maturity. So even with Jesus, he didn't tell his 12 disciples, hey, hey, we're all friends now. From day one, follow me and I'll, uh, I'll make you fishers of men and you could be my friend. No, Jesus said it toward the end of his ministry. He said, everything the father showed me, I revealed it to you. So I no longer call you servants, but friends. So one thing that Aaron and I have learned from Pastor Benjamin's leadership is if you want friendship with mature sons, people who are mature in their faith, people who are like spiritual authorities, you grow into that level of intimacy. But to have intimacy with that person right away, you don't, we're not really going to, you may feel intimate with the pastor, but the pastor's not feeling intimate with you. Why? Because you, you got so many areas of your life that you haven't submitted to God yet. And you need that man to be your spiritual father. You need that woman to be your spiritual mother first. And as you grow into maturity, now, let's go out for some coffee. Now, now you can still get coffee and get discipleship. Don't get me wrong. But if you want coffee and friendship, that comes as a Christian grows into maturity. And that's why, that's why it's, it's, it's powerful when mature men of God, influential men of God, they come together. You know, if they're at a very similar spiritual level, they're going to have deep intimacy with one another. 
But if there are all different types of spiritual levels, they're not going to feel safe to have that intimacy. In fact, they may, you know, a lot of influential pastors, uh, when there's like a pastor's luncheon in the city, usually the most influential pastors won't even show up. They won't even show up. It's not that they don't want unity. It's not that they're prideful. It's just that they, they understand that even if I want to give friendship with some of these younger pastors, it's, it's just not going to go anywhere. Because there's got to be maturity. Anyway, so what Pastor Benjamin teaches is sonship first. We got to know who we are. That never, that identity never changes. And then you go from sonship, you go from son to servant. You start serving the house. Not, you know, we don't ask newcomers at our church to mop the floor after service, do we? You don't ask a guest who comes over your house, can you do the dishes? You don't do that. Why? Because guests don't serve. But if you had a daughter or a son who's 12 years old and they, they know how to reach that sink, you tell them, hey, son, hey, son, you ate some of them apples? All right, you can go clean the dishes now. Huh? Now, it's not because you're treating your son like a slave. You're treating your son like a son. Sons get the privilege to serve the house. So you go from son to servant. And as you serve, you mature and you grow. You serve not just in mopping the floor, but you also serve in discipling people in the house. And as you mature, you go from son to servant to friend. You know, the Bible describes only a few people who endure friendship with God. One of them was Moses. The other in uh, the Bible actually describes Abraham as also a friend of God. Now, friendship with God is something that's deep. It's, it's, it, 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 you re- reach it when there's oneness. And you can only get to that level of oneness with God when you've matured to that level. And you can only mature to that level when you learn how to submit and honor your spiritual authorities. Because what I've learned is that in the Western world... Our view of the pastor is very similar to our view of God. This is manifested by the t-shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. Right? Every person who gets birthed into the kingdom, they immediately get taught in the Western world, oh, Jesus is your best friend. You know? God is uh, like your friend. Just treat him like your friend. And what do we do? We get it backwards. Instead of defining friendship from the Bible, we define friendship from our personal experience. So we go, oh, oh, God's my friend? I guess I can just treat him like one of my other friends from my, from my friendship experiences. And, 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 and their view of God in that way, it limits them from growing in maturity. And their, and their view of their pastor, because they just want to be friends with the pastor, it also, once again, it stunts their spiritual maturity because what they need that pastor to be is not their friend. They need that pastor first to be a pastor. To be a spiritual authority that you submit and honor. A, a spiritual father whose words you learn to receive. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I feel like uh, I should close up right here. All right. I'll close up right here. But uh, let's, let, I just want us to pray for a moment. Father, I just pray for each and every person in here. And I thank you.
that God, that they are on an incredible journey to oneness with you, to deep intimacy, communion, and friendship with you. But Father, there are certain things that we know that we need to grow out of, we need to unlearn. But your word says the hostile mind cannot submit to God's word, God's laws. And Father, Lord, we want every bit of our soulish mind, our own fleshly understanding to be renewed, to be renewed by your word, be renewed by the preaching and teaching and the discipleship of the house. We want our minds to be renewed so that we can grow, that we can mature and come to a place, oh God, where we can have deep fellowship with one another and also with you, Lord. So, Father, I just pray for every person here at Seaside. That, Lord, that they will become men and women of great submission and honor. Men and women that will continually receive a river of blessings, a river of covering, a river of supernatural grace into their life. So that they can continue to mature into the fullness of Christ. So, Father, I just bless each person, Lord. Just bless each, each person today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.